Hey guys, Jeff here from besttechie.com, and this is Techie Bytes, episode 49. Today I'm speaking with Larry O'Connor, founder at OWC, a computer hardware company known for its Mac-based upgrade kits. We discuss how Larry started OWC 30 plus years ago, the company's relationship with Apple, what Larry thinks Apple should do with the MacBook Pro, and why Apple RAM is so darn expensive. Enjoy. Also, a quick programming note, we're going to be off for a couple weeks, but fear not, we'll be back soon with new episodes. This podcast is supported by Wix.com. With Wix, you can create your own professional website. Choose a template you love or start from scratch, drag and drop to customize anything, and use advanced design features like video backgrounds and image galleries. You can even add professional business solutions like an online store, booking system, or blog. I've personally tested and reviewed Wix on Best Techie and can say without a doubt that Wix is extremely easy to use and a great choice for both novice and advanced users. So go ahead, try it yourself. Go to Wix.com and create your own website today. That's Wix, W-I-X.com. I'm here with Larry O'Connor, the founder of OWC, uh, also known as Otherworld Computing. Huge fan of their of their of this company. They're a consumer electronics company. You work with a lot of uh, Mac related products, but also PC. Welcome, Larry. Huge fan of uh, of OWC, and I'm excited to have you here at the uh, on the podcast today. Hey, thanks for having me, Jeff. It's always always a pleasure to get uh, to get out there and hey, and then talk with a talk with a fan. No, I'm excited. So. But uh, the way I like to start off usually each episode is I, I like to kind of do like a who are you, what do you do type of thing. Obviously, you're the founder of OWC, but um, for, give us give us a flavor of like what your day to day is like. What do you do on a day to day basis? Sure, the day today is honestly is very uh, customer focused. I mean, in, in, in that sense, it's you know, understanding how we're how we're doing out there, what people are you know, saying about our products, what. What can we do better? You know, what are we uh, hitting right on? And working with our development teams, working with marketing, you know, working with the operation as a whole to, to make sure that you know the best products, you know, we have the best products we can deliver are, are being spread far and wide, and we're doing everything we can to, to make people aware of what we've got. I mean, the biggest challenge, quite frankly, is just getting the word out there that these solutions are available. That yes, you can upgrade. That yes. You know, it's really easy to plug in high-speed storage. Yes, you can buy one dock to replace, you know, 10 dongles. And right. My, my day-to-day is doing everything possible with the team, you know, elevating, you know, we've got a great team here and, you know, helping them, you know, do everything they can to help our customers. So one of the things that I noticed, uh, you guys, uh, the new IMAX just came out, right? The, the brand new ones. And, and, and Apple, um, on the website, you can only customize the iMac to have up to 64 gigabytes of RAM installed. And I, I know that you guys at OWC figured out, well, you can actually support a lot more. You can support 128 gigabytes of RAM in these iMacs. Uh, like, that is, is that like something that's built into like the DNA of OWC to kind of like go out there and like figure out, all right, well, this doesn't seem right. We can probably do better than this. <laughs> We've been doing it for 30 years. I mean, it's really an area that we got started. I mean, there must be a better way than, you know, you know, some of the processes, some of the things that, you know, originally were only available, you know, pretty much direct from Apple and, you know, went out right. there that really enhanced the customer experience and plus take these systems further. You know, there's no reason to be limited unnecessarily uh, you know, to something that is an artificial limitation 
you know, versus being upgraded to the max and, and get that extra benefit versus being forced maybe into a new system or a or a system that's at a higher level that you really don't need. You know, the yeah. low end iMac 27, uh, the, the base base 27 inch model, Apple only lets you configure up to 32 gigs. But guess what? It goes up to 128 gigabyte just the same. You know, I'll talk about the iMac Pro. You know, a year ago, uh, about a year and uh, three, three, four months ago, you know, we were the first to tear one of those apart uh, down and really get the inner, inner, inner workings that uh, put on display. And you know, it was kind of nice. The only thing that Apple uh, doesn't have you void the warranty to make a change on is the memory. And at that point, you know, we're very familiar with the chipsets. I mean, we you know, we have an ISP side, and we have a, our own. I, you know, we do a lot of our own uh, service side. We 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 build the high-end service for some of the, uh, the enterprise platforms, and we know how these chipsets work. And the iMac uh, Pro was artificially lim limited by the OS to 128 gigs. You know, we offered customers, you know, the first, I think, one of the only uh, external uh, upgrade programs. So aftermarket, you can add memory to your iMac. It doesn't void the warranty. And one of the upgrades we offer people are a two by 64. So that when Apple, at some point, we believe they would do it, it would up the OS to actually support that full 256 gigabytes. The chipsets in, in there is no problem support. In fact, the chipset would go up double that. You know that they'd have two slots open, they had two more 64s, and then take full advantage you know, should they choose. You know, yeah. it's we're always about you know maximizing these systems. And now any of those iMac Pros, you know, we're happy to support up to 256 gigs because the OS support is there, and you don't have to buy a brand new iMac Pro from Apple. Uh, you can take the iMac Pro you've got and either use one of our uh, use our service, use uh, one of the dealers that, that provide service. Or if you're really, really, uh, uh, how to say, comfortable uh, cutting open your uh, five thousand to ten thousand dollars system, you can upgrade it <laughs> yourself. But right, you, and you and you have, you guys have video content for that too, right? You create a lot of different types of content showing how to actually perform these upgrades, right? We do, and the good news is there's you know, only a few machines where it's really complicated. The vast majority of these systems are very easy to upgrade. I mean, it's, they're user upgradable in, in some cases, like the iMac 27, Apple even has instructions, basic instructions for how a user can do it. You know, we show videos that I think take it, elevate that simplicity to a, to a whole new level. But you know, I go back 30 years and it was a curtain we had to pull back. You know, you know I learned by doing and said, gosh, this is super easy. Why are people spending you know, hours to go take their system apart. This is when things were a lot bigger and you know, had a lot more cables connected to them as well. Right. <laughs> all that time to take a system into a dealership to a service center where you spend a whole bunch of time to, with paperwork. They tell you that you'd have to come back in a few days to pick it up just for a memory upgrade that literally you could do in your home, your office, wherever in, in less than 10 minutes and without you know any real risk to the system, well, without any risk to the system, quite frankly. I mean, it's it was it was crazy, but it was just kind of it was changing the thinking and really again pulling that curtain back. We've always, as a foundational piece of other world computing, it's been about educating our customer, you know, not keeping the not making things a black box, not keeping mm -hmm. things behind the curtain, but pulling that curtain aside and saying, this is this is what's going on here. This you can do this if you choose. You know, some people even, you know, and totally respect it. You know, they prefer not to, but and that's that's a okay, but. You know, we've got people, you know, from I mean, literally, I mean, little kids to, you know, you know, folks that are you know, been long retired saying, wow, you know, I just upgraded my Mac or wow, my, my grandson just upgraded my Mac for me. It's really, really cool and it's empowering. It's 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 great to see these systems you know, continue to, to provide a purpose, be very functional and, and continue to you know, serve the, the ever greater demands, perhaps, that somebody would like to put upon them without having to spend a multitude more to get the, the same kind of benefit in a, in a new system. 
Right, right. So as you as you mentioned, you've been doing this for thirty plus years now. I think what is this year thirty one, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> so so walk, tell us a little bit about how OWC has evolved over the years from from when you started it thirty plus years ago to today. You know what is what is what does that look like? You know, the biggest thing has just been capability. I have to say, in the very beginning, I mean, we had a lot of knowledge. You know, knew a lot in terms of you know what we could do with these systems, but you know having the resources to execute and really make the intentions you know uh, solidify and come out as you know true action the way we intended. You know that was definitely more of a challenge. Uh, you know, 25 years ago, and as we got into certainly you know, the 2000s, 2010, I mean having great people, having great system solutions, being able to really deliver everything that we wanted to deliver, everything that we've envisioned being able to deliver has been huge. But you know along the way, I mean we started with memory upgrades. You know, we saw an opportunity to you know, disrupt in hard drives. We saw the first bus power drives back in 1992. We were the first company to ship bus powered uh, drives back then. You know, back, you know, you go five years further. There, you know, processor upgrades was a huge opportunity because you had a great machine. You don't need to buy a new machine to, you know, just for a faster processor. And you know, we came in there. It's the, you know, the one thing that has not changed is you know, listening to the customer, you know, seeing what the customer needs are. And providing solutions that you know solve problems or you know create opportunities so that their investment can go further, work better, and you know let folks you know focus on being creative, focus on getting things done better and faster, without having to you know worry a whole lot about the technology and having it at a budget point that makes really good sense. You know, I guess the main evolution would be we went from very basic products that you know, we maybe modified or you know, customized it for the Mac platform to have, you know a full full-on engineering uh, development company, uh, probably starting about you know, 2001, 2002, you know, to really bring out you know, a line of product that met needs that nobody else was consistently uh, delivering for. So what what was the shift like from, from modifying to actually creating, developing the, the actual hardware? Um, what, what, how, did that, how did that transition occur? And like, what, like, was there a moment where you're like, we really need to get into the hardware game ourselves and like actually create this hardware? Like the memory and things like that. Well, you go back into the '90s. You know, we had a big line of SCSI drives. We had our bus power stuff. That was, I mean, that was pretty basic. I say it's basic. I guess it's not. I oversimplify some of these things. <laughs> I mean, I, that's there's truth to that. But that was more, you know, you know, pieces of a puzzle coming together. When FireWire and USB came out, you, know, you suddenly had different chipset options, power supply options, and not just external power supplies. You know, the power supplies. You know the componentry that's on the actual boards, and all of a sudden, you know, there's a lot of other factors that, you know, if you're just, you know, if you're buying a box. I mean, SCSI was straight pass through. All SCSI did was a cable on the outside to a cable on the inside that went to a drive. Right. You know, when we got to FireWire and USB, you know, suddenly you had, you know, real, you know, logic processing and you know, the real, you know, real function between the hard drive and the uh, the, the computer in terms of that interface. You know, the game changed and the variability you know, went up substantially. And what we saw with, you know, we started by selling some of the products that were available you know, back in that day, you know, certainly 1999, 2000. And what we found was our customers were not, you know, consistently happy. Some of the manufacturing, they honestly, some of the same guys still do the same thing today. You know, you didn't know from, you know, one purchase to another purchase if the drive was going to be a 1700 or a 5400 or what it might be. Right, right. Or what the chipset was going to be. And while we didn't come in and say we're focusing on music or video or, you know, or, or any particular vertical for that matter, and we said, you know, we can do a better drive. We can do a better solution. We know what people are asking for, what they want. And unlike our, our competition, 
you know, we can design and develop a product, you know, specifically to, you know, the parameters our customers are asking for, and we're going to advertise and we're not going to keep that chipset hidden. We're going to say, this is what's inside our stuff. This is the drive we're using. This is the chipset we're using. This is the real performance you're getting versus hiding behind the interface speed and saying, well, it's FireWay 800. It's a hundred megabits and you know, we're a hundred megabit uh, solution because, you know, that's not really a true statement in terms of what the real world performance is. I mean, back in 2001, there's no hard drive that anywhere near 100 meg, nowhere near 40 <laughs> right. megabits for that matter. Yeah. We got there. We're way past there today. But any, in any event, you know, it, it was it was actually really empowering. It was really great. I mean, it changed. It was another big leap. You know, solid state drives. You know, we tried to get into solid state drives in 2008, 2009, but on the Mac, the way the processors worked, you know, they depended heavily on trim which Windows had and Mac didn't, right, and right. putting a and Trim is a crutch. Trim offloads you know, a lot of the drive management to the OS, and when you have a, a system that doesn't have Trim support, you know, use a drive that really depends upon that crutch. You know, it's, it might be three months, it might be six months, heck, it might be a couple of weeks depending upon your load. You need to have SSDs that would be slower than hard drives, and that drove us to a, a great partnership. We got to bring out the first Sandforce. We were the very first company to ship Sandforce-based SSDs in 2010, and those drives, you know, they screened. They were de they were designed for enterprise RAID application. RAID did not uh, allow trim commands to uh, pass through at the time, and it was the perfect solution for the Mac. It had its there was no processing capability, and the Sandforce controllers of that day, you know, to be the really the first drives, the first processor where we could build a drive around it that didn't require. You know the trim, which was what Mac needed. Nobody else really yeah, needed it, yeah. except for high-end yeah. enterprise. But you know, we got hard behind that, and that was the first. Those were the first drives that we that we put out there. And we've actually been a big advocate of you know trimless solutions, or certainly solutions that you know have a low dependency on trim, because that's that's not really a, that, that is a crutch. If you can do it within the drive, it's it's really the best place to do it. Agreed. I, 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 you know, I 100% agree with that. One of the things I wanted to ask you, actually, kind of getting in a little deeper here, was it, it, over the over the past 30 years, what what has been like the biggest jump you've seen, like from a technology standpoint? You think like Thunderbolt three actually uh, provides some of you know the biggest jump in terms of what the capabilities that and what it allows like a company like OWC to go out there and create, or has it been something just something completely different that? Uh, that you that from a technology uh, technological standpoint, Thunderbolt three opens up a lot of doors. I mean, the the thing that also happened while the different Thunderbolt uh, options started to come into play is that we lost PCIe uh, slots and systems. Yeah, and Thunderbolt you now is basically an extension of uh, it's, it's effectively a PCIe slot that you can connect via cable. In fact, I mean the devices are basically PCIe. I mean if you if it wasn't, in, you know, if you look at a Thunderbolt enclosure for drives, I mean that's you know in a different uh, day that would have been it could might have been a SAS controller sitting inside a slot connected to just a, a box with power and, and a backplane, and not to uh, go over the top. Uh, techie, <laughs> you know, it is Thunderbolt three was a big leap because it provides now enough bandwidth where you can effectively uh, use it for GPU uh, acceleration for GPU support. Thunderbolt right. two is huge. Actually, all the Thunderbolt uh, open up brand new doors because. As Apple started to take away these slots, and in general, people want external. There's portability. There's you know, other you know, considerations to have external stores that you can move from system to system. But Thunderbolt really provided a certified interface where you can con consistently uh, have expectations of how it's going to form, how it's going to work, why it's going to work, and why you can count on it working you know, in an enterprise that. I'm sorry, in a uh, interface that. You know, it's a 
it really is an enterprise level uh, interface for the most part that you know that supports pros and gives a pro level high i mean it gives consumers something that you have no idea how good you have it you know that just to plug in a copper cable and get that kind of bandwidth and that kind of reliability you know over uh you know, i'd say something that you know, is just plug and play you know usb yeah. adds overhead you know, FireWire was another exceptionally strong interface. It's really sh a shame that Apple didn't keep it, you know, going forward past the FireWire 800 because it it would have competed with Thunderbolt. I mean, I see they wanted to make that big leap, but it was a very cost-effective and efficient uh, interface. But the Thunderbolt gives you something that this controlled. USB is a real pain. I mean, we build the USB products, all of our USB products, that really high standards, and you know, self. -cert I mean, it really is a self-certified you know space and. You know, it's 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 hit or miss. I mean, it's it's annoying because a lot of people have bad experiences with USB, high-end USB you know, stores and docks, and they have expectations on products that you know are just a bunch of chipsets thrown together, and you know, you know, you hope it works. You know, these guys think pretty much the folks. The folks are putting <laughs> I mean, yeah, because a lot a lot of these companies are right. That what they're doing, you know, they they work with various vendors across the board, and there's really no standardization, like you said, when it comes to them. You know, you could have. An enclosure chips from a, uh, one company uh, chipset from another and a hard drive or whatever from you know from a, a or whatever from another um, well they're not qualified they're not doing the testing I mean they're saying the ports are here and these are what the specs are but the reality of functionality is very very different whereas we build a USB dock it's built to you know ensure operational standards it's gonna work I mean are we our USB uh, travel dock you know, we put through certifications that you know are required by Apple and nobody else does that. And we do it because and, and we're engineering it. We, we solve problems. We know the problems that a lot of the docs have out there. And we solve those problems in our doc because it's got to work. But that's you know not required for USB. There's just not that threshold. Thunderbolt, on the other hand, when you buy a Thunderbolt product, that product is going to plug and play and go. And notwithstanding that Apple still got a little bug with their Mac Mini 2018 so it's affecting bus-powered uh, devices across the board. But outside of that, Thunderbolt in general, the nice thing about certification with Thunderbolt, if the product, if, if it is a Thunderbolt certified product, which to even build, to even get the chipsets, you have to be certified. You get a unique vendor ID. That's encoded on those chips that go into the units you build. So it's, they see them and the, uh, they, they, they pop up out there. But if the product is Thunderbolt certified, which is pretty much everything that's Thunderbolt being sold today, you know, the expectation you have the support that is going to work today and it's going to work you know, five years from now. You know, there's a requirement now, once that's certified, that, you know, whether firmware changes, there's OS updates, whatever it may be, you know, with rare exception, that product has now been put into a, uh, into a database where it's going to be supported and the customer can count on it working. Whereas, you know, with USB-C stuff, you know, you can literally, and Apple, you know, kind of writes their, their own rules. And honestly, Apple does a lot of things really, really well. I mean, there's, I, 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 I think they, they make a lot of good decisions. And certainly with USB-C, which had so many different people at the table with you know, a lot of conflicting requirements and expectations and, and wants, you know, Apple kind of paved the way, of, you know, the way they saw it best to handle power delivery and the power delivery interface. And that, you know, veered a little bit differently than, you know, what some of the early plans or what some of the early expectations were. And, you know, literally we saw stuff like every other month, Apple would update firmware and they changed the rules. They were changing it, tweaking it, making it better for the overall good but you know, every time they did that that would break things you know, mm -hmm. we could fix them and we sent updates out and we it was stuff that could be addressed but it was it's a moving target thunderbolt's not a moving target and you know, that's a real uh, i mean for somebody you know you want this stuff to work it's not about 
Uh, you, you pay a little. You really don't pay that much for premium when you, if you take a look at what you get with Thunderbolt. And Thunderbolt just opens up a, a world of opportunity, especially where again you can't just drop in a uh, a PCIe card. If you drop in a PCIe card, that's more work, a little bit different. And if, if that would work for you, but Thunderbolt, I mean, it's extreme performance, extreme flexibility, and you know, with 40 gigabits now, you know, granted some of that's dedicated off to uh, video, but still, we'll call it about you know 20, 26 gigabits. Now, 2,600 meg. I'm sorry, about 2,800 megs a second that actually converts out to, in raw data performance. I mean, that's enough for video cards. That's enough for really high-end storage. I mean, there's for the application we have today and into the future, it's exceptionally strong. I, yeah, I mean, I I I I love Thunderbolt three. I mean, most pretty much every product that I have connected to my computer right now, which is an iMac Pro. Since we were talking about that earlier, is all everything is Thunderbolt three. I have very I have one or two things that are running on USB right now. <laughs> I've, I've really worked to kind of convert uh, as much of my uh, accessories and uh, like external drives and docks and things like that uh, over to Thunderbolt 3 because like you said, it's just, it's so much more, it's so reliable and just, it's a great standard. Um, just, the difference is there's no interposer. There's no translation matrix. Now, it, that is, you know, a PCIe direct connection. Yes, right into the the memory processor, you know, storage subsystem. I mean, that goes straight into the lanes, and that's. I mean, then you know, you really don't get, you just don't get faster, cleaner, you know, better. There's no overhead. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, I want to shift gears slightly. I want to talk a little bit about Apple. Um, considering you guys have a, I would I would assume a fairly close relationship. Uh, we'll, we'll, I'm going to get to that. But uh, has Apple ever? blindsided you with an announcement i mean you talked a little bit about how they would change certain uh change certain things um i think we said with firewire or things like that but uh ever have they ever announced something you've been like oh i didn't see that coming um at all or 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 have they have they been communicative with you in terms of in terms of what you know what they're planning we have a pretty good feel and pretty good flow and a pretty good information basis for you know the, the product releases and, and whatnot, and, and a really good, like I would say, a really good relationship on the product development side. So, you know, we certainly get nudged in the the right direction. If we're if we're moving in a direction that's not going to be uh, ideal for where Apple's future you know, mm -hmm. plans are. Well, that's but good. So, we'll so that's yeah. Go ahead. We have been so every once in a while a software update. You know, a major change they make in the architecture will. No surprises. Granted, we'll you know we'll, we do get early releases on it, but sometimes say, like, "Holy cow, this is." You know, I understand what they're doing, but you know, I don't like it, and I, I think it's you know it, it's it's going to be damaging for a lot of folks. But over the course, for for the most part, I mean, the blind size mainly are when they make a major architectural change, and you know they the rules are X today, and then you know they somebody makes a a significant a decision to make a big change and you know the rules that worked yesterday no longer work today and then that's uh, those are the main blind sides because you, you build to make sure that everything I's dotted T's crossed with Apple because truth be told you know, the stuff that we build is Mac compatible you know 95 percent of it or more we also you know support on the PC side but the standard that we build to maintain uh, you know the kind of performance and reliability and and just operational standards that, that Apple you know pretty much you know forces and I love it you know, mean that our products you know, on a PC are, you know, are, are just you know, heads and shoulders above, you know, your typical you know, PC only product. Mm -hmm. So speaking of, so, so you're, you know, it's quite clear listening to you and talking to you that you're a hardware guy. You're obviously also the CEO of a, an electronics company. Apple has 
been kind of plagued by some negative uh, customer feedback recently with regard to their butterfly keyboards on the MacBook Pros. Sure. Uh, curious, have you have you have you heard anything about this? And uh, I guess this is the oh, first yeah. part of the question. Yeah, the speck of dust issue. You know, the uh, the you know, the, uh, you know, I love Apple and I understand you know some of the stuff they've done, but they've gone, in my opinion, you know, way too far over to you know what you know this this decide what it needs to look like before we decide you know how it's going to function, feel, and operate. And those keyboards, I mean, they it's amazing what they did with the keyboards. But I'll be honest, I hate those keyboards. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I hate them what as a would, user. If, if you were Apple and you're seeing all these reports come in now, uh, you know, people, you know, people at companies, they 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 buy you know a uh, hundred, two hundred of them, maybe more, mm-hmm. and then you know, like twenty five of them or more or whatever, you know, break within within the period of a year or so. You know, what would you do? You know, what if if you were Apple, you were you know. Right now, what would you do? do? You know, is this a real problem? Do you think? Well, the good news is they supported it. They extended the warranties on them. You know, so you get keys to stop working. Even back to 2016, I think they kicked those warranties out to three years. You know, don't quote well. You can quote me on it, but I mean that, <laughs> so to speak. I mean, I mean they're doing the right thing on the customer service side, but I mean really hitting the and they. You know, we've gone from butterfly one to two to three. And I don't know right. that you know it depends on the environment you're working in. I mean, we haven't we haven't seen ourselves. You know, we. I don't personally use one. I, I don't like the keyboard. I love my Retina. You know, from actually recently from a 2013 to a 2015, because I you know, wanted the faster processor, and you know, now we have to have a drive that uh, takes full advantage of the the bus the 2015s have got that the other ones don't have, which I'm you know, very excited about. I mean, hitting 3,100 megabytes a second in a, a machine from four years ago on an SSD with our Aura Pro X2 is pretty damn awesome, quite frankly. But to the point, and I apologize. <laughs> Going off the, the little tangent there, you know, if I was Apple, I would probably you know, take a couple steps back and say, you know, maybe it's better to have a machine that's a little bit thicker, maybe has a couple of the old ports everybody wanted back, maybe a few more ports, and has a keyboard that number one is you know, a little more resilient, isn't you know subject to these kinds of failures, which are very expensive, and number two, you now regardless of how reliable it is, perhaps you know bring back some of the serviceability. Now it's not just that these keyboards have had issues. It's you know the servicing of this machine is is no walk to the park. I mean it's right. A, that's it's, true too. It's it's yeah. horrible. I mean it, it is not it, the machine is you, there's no if it's not just a simple you know blast some air in there and hope that little particle you know is no longer screwing up the uh, the key that doesn't work. I mean it's it's a tear apart uh, to to replace that keyboard. Now the thing that really uh, it just I, I don't. I don't get it. I mean, it's they. These machines are. If they were, it doesn't matter how much they cost. Quite frankly, it's you know we're. I'd like to you know it's a waste not you know want not mentality and the way which they they shifted towards building some of these systems, you know, it implies a, a short you know an intended you know turnover replacement cycle. But we're talking about systems that you know some of these systems are four or five thousand dollars. Yeah, that's ridiculous. I mean, soldered SSDs. I mean, that was I have to say one thing that really shocked me was when Apple. Started soldering the, the storage. You know, storage is just going to get cheaper, bigger, faster. You know, over the uh, you know the future course, and to force a customer today to buy more storage than you know they really may need for you know the next year, two years, or you know they buy it within their budget. Now they're forced to buy a new system when either that storage fails, which you know Apple SSD. I mean, all drives at some point have a probably a failure. We are there are failures out there, but in the past you just swap the drive. You know, need more storage? No problem. We've got an upgrade for that. Even though Apple admittedly made that a little more difficult than I think they should have. But these new machines, you know, your storage fails, 
got to buy a new machine. If you run out of space, you got to buy a new machine. There's no upgrade path, and I think that's ridiculous. Or, hey, I think I'm going to need two terabytes uh, a year and a half from now because I'm a new user. I'm going to fill that up. You're well, paying you could, you, you could also buy an external Thunderbolt 3 drive, right? I mean, from, from OWC. Yeah, you could buy yeah, we got up to two terabytes, bus power, plug and play. And, you know, that's, I think those are fantastic. I mean, that's great for, you can do, edit. I mean, our drives are fast enough to do video editing. I mean, production, FX. I mean, you can do amazing things now with the external drive. I mean, we're hitting, you know, close to 2,000 megs a second sustained on, on these externals. Now, with Thunderbolt 3, I mean, it opens up that world. But I don't think you should be forced to have an external drive. And external bootability is becoming you know, less and more and more restricted as well. So if your internal drive does fail, I mean, three years from now, the internal drive fails, now you're, now there's a little extra, there's some extra steps, a little bit, it's a little more com complicated to boot off an external. Now, Apple's making it harder to boot off externals for, you know, they're adding a lot of security. Yep. It's doable, but I mean, you have now, you know, with that T2, there's security aspects, uh, you know, that you have to uh, allow for to, uh, to disable effectively to do so. And the other thing about it, now you're forced to carry a drive everywhere you go to use your, you know, you may spend, maybe spend 3000 bucks on that system. You know, yeah, that's 100% so true. Apple, and I don't want to, I will get off this. Uh, <laughs> no, it's it's super interesting. It's super passionate. You could tell you're super passionate about it, as am I. I could talk about this particular topic all day. Uh, but we're going to actually going to take a quick break right now. We'll be back in under a minute. This podcast is supported by Ahrefs. So you have a website and you want to rank better? Of course you do. Ahrefs is designed to be an amazing all-in-one SEO tool. In fact, I've been testing it and it lets me do things like generate millions of keyword ideas, discover new trending keywords every month, examine the ranking history of my site's individual pages, and even identify content gaps and opportunities. They also just launched the latest beta of their Keywords Explorer product. The new Keywords Explorer features clickstream data from 10 major data sources, including Google, YouTube, Amazon, Bing, and Yahoo. So now, when you start seeing even more best techie all over the web, you know who to thank. Go ahead, check them out at ahrefs.com. That's A-H-R-E-F-S.com. Oh, and feel free to tell them I sent you. And we're back. So one of the things I wanted to also bring up was, so obviously, just I want to touch on this real quick. So obviously Apple has um, come out in, in over the, like two years ago now at this point, and they said, we, we realized we messed up. We messed up with the Mac Pro. You think, is it possible that they could do the same thing with the MacBook Pro? You think they're going to come out and say, you know what, we made a mistake. I don't think they have to say they made a mistake with the MacBook Pro. I mean, I... I... I'm looking forward to seeing what that uh, you know, 16 and a half inch uh, unit looks like. See if they bring back some right, right. I heard about some of the, the features that are a little more bring that additional flexibility back. I mean, their competition. Let's again. I, I think Apple is head and shoulders above everybody else, in my opinion, when it comes to their whole software hardware integration. You know, the product is still, despite you know, you can, it's very easy to argue, and you know, it's it's hard to argue against that. There's been some slippage, so to speak, in terms of Apple's. You know, they're, you know, they're lead over the competition. But still today, I, I see the Apple is still by far the best for a, a lot of creative needs and actually use in general. I mean, it's, it's a great platform. But the hardware, you know, it, it's really crappy that you can you know, buy all these other systems and you have the opportunity to maintain them, upgrade them, do things to them that you really should expect, you know, the, the opportunity to do so when you're talking about a $2,000 plus, $1,500, I don't care, $1,000 plus machine. Yeah. And the one thing that gives me promise that Apple 
you know, may actually uh, you know, be moving back in the right direction. You know, the Mac Mini, I don't like that they solder the SSD, but it's a desktop machine, plugging external storage to supplement, you know, what's internal. That's easy. That's great. That's no problem. It's a it's an opportunity for us. But making the desoldering the memory, I say desoldering because the 2014, you know, completely crippled that machine and limited it to, you know, whatever you got from the factory, 8 or 16 gigs. That yeah. they made the new machine, you know, memory socket is, you can go up to 64 gigs and really, you know, upgrade as you need. That aspect of a Mac Mini is, that was a good, I call that a good sign because, you know, they were soldered. Now it's upgradable again. So I really hope to see, uh, you know, some progress on the, uh, some, some progress like that on the the new machines. Perhaps a keyboard that's a little bit, you know, has a little more of a thrill in the keys. And mm-hmm. I don't know. There's some people, I guess, that do like the butterfly, but I know lots Lots of people I talk to, they don't like that keyboard, especially writers. You know, they've commented that it just it just doesn't feel as good to, to type on it. I actually like typing on the uh, on an iPad or my iPhone better than that, that butterfly keyboard. I just don't like the feel. I love my Retina for the feel it's got. Maybe I'm just I'm just old and I gotta you know I just gotta adapt and move on. So. <laughs> no, I, I yeah, I mean I think you're right. I, a lot, everyone I talk to pretty much doesn't like the keyboard, so. Uh, I I, I personally don't love it either. I feel like it's I feel like I wish I had a little bit more give, like you said, in the keyboard and the keys, and it just doesn't feel great typing on. But thank you know, thankfully I don't really use it that often, so I've been lucky sure. in that aspect. <laughs> well, hopefully they're listening to their customer and they're going to give the customer you know what they're asking for. And yeah. the the tower, sorry, the, uh, the the trash can, you know, whatever you call the Mac Pro. It's actually it's not a bad machine, but. You know, all the, the customers would have been unbelievably thrilled with the machine that, heck, even they took the silver tower and gave it USB 3. I mean, I heard, I mean, I yeah. thought, give it Thunderbolt and you would have had, you know, a machine, you have a machine that people are still be buying today. But, yeah. you know, there are plenty of folks that said, you know, even they didn't give us Thunderbolt, just said they give us USB 3, we'd be happy. The silver tower is still in high demand. That 2010 to 2012 Mac Pro. Yeah, and you, got, you guys sell them on the website, right? Do you like, do you sell like a decent amount of them still? They, we can, the, especially the uh, the 8th and the 12 core models, we can't even keep on the shelf because wow. people still use them in production. They need them for production. And just as a, a consideration, that machine from 2012, one PCIe slot has more bandwidth than, you know, a, than a three or actually it's four. It's the equivalent of four, uh, actually I think more than four. I got to do my math, but four Thunderbolt 3 you know, ports. And you can't combine the ports. One slot and you got four slots like that in there. You know, you can drop high-performance cards in there for storage, for GPUs, for all sorts of things that you just can't do with the newer machines. And, of course, the new machine, the current machine, you know, that GPU is the GPU that you get. You know, Mac Pro from 2012, people are, you know, we're, we have a, 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 how to say, a Radeon uh, you know, 580 solution for that now. You know, we were able to provide a, a mod, you have a brand-new modern uh, GPU that can go into a machine that's, you know, literally up to uh, you know, almost a decade old, and it kicks tail i mean it runs it drives 4k it runs uh, 10.14 you know amazingly well and it's there for the production needs that you know require you know more unfortunately more than uh, you know what that the thunderbolt 3 can do today so i hope we see a mac pro that's got some pca slots in addition to thunderbolt i really really hope you know we see that modular modularity that also gives people some direct really high performance uh, pci 3.0 slots so that they can for the stuff that thunderbolt is not enough for it. They've got that covered, and for everything else, Thunderbolt is the way. Yeah, you and me both. <laughs> you and me both. So, real. I want to talk about uh, Apple RAM real quick. And obviously, this is probably good for you guys, but Apple RAM is so expensive. Like, for what you get, the and the price increase, it just doesn't align. How come? 
how come you guys at OWC can engineer and create and build RAM that is just as good, just as high caliber of product, but much less money? How does how, how does that work out? You know, Apple has a different, you know, set of cost parameters, margin basis. And in fairness to Apple, I mean, Dell does it, Lenovo does it, mm-hmm. HP does it. All these guys do it. And somebody who doesn't want to touch the machine, and, you know, Apple has been on a marketing rampage for years that, you know, hey, you know, you, you buy it how you need it when you order it, and you should never have to touch it again. And there's folks that, you know, for different reasons, I mean, that's, you know, they, they buy into that, and Apple can get you know, some of those big dollars for it. For the iMac Pro, I mean, I'll be honest with you, you know, it's, it's depending upon how much memory you need. I think if you go to 64 gigs, you probably should do it at the factory. If you can do more than 64 gigs, it's probably worth using a certain, either OWC service or, you know, one of our service guys, one of our partner uh, dealerships to uh, do the upgrade because there's enough money being saved there. But, you know, there's, there's the crossovers on these Mac minis and these iMac uh, uh, 5Ks, which are very easy to upgrade, though. It's just really, uh, you know, about knowing. I mean, that you're paying for the... You're paying a premium because you don't know that there's an alternative, and you know, we specialize on, on this stuff. I mean, we're ahead of the curve already testing you know, what's going to work, why it needs to work, what the specs are. And you know, even going back to, I mean, one of our biggest breaks, one of the biggest breakouts we had as a company was back in about 2001. Maybe it was 2002, actually, when Apple released a firmware update that was required for OS X compatibility, but that update negated uh, operation of all sorts of memory that was not to proper Apple specification. And a, a news uh, company, one of the big newspapers, uh, you know, the Houston Chronicle, and they it was one of the syndicated, uh, uh, how to say, companies this newspaper published, this company published, uh, they saw a whole bunch of the machines basically go offline after this update because they had, you know, memory that wasn't compatible. And what they wrote about was all the machines that they, you know, had upgraded with OWC memory, you know, all the memory was there, it was working, and they were online and, you know, able to get their paper, their newspaper out. And that's something, I mean, we've always been, you know, really, you know, how to say, you know, toe-to-toe, I mean, on the ball and making sure that, you know, we're, we're where Apple needs to be. But the cost, I mean, you're really paying to have the factory installed instead of yourself. You're paying, uh, you know, for, you know, Apple Care to, to, to cover it if, you know, there's ever, a, you know, an issue with, you know, any component of that aspect. You're paying a big premium that certainly for memory, uh, you know, we've got you covered uh, with the right stuff, sometimes better stuff. And in this case, you know, up to double what Apple offer. And, and I, I, I'm kind of jumping around, but you know, Apple artificially limits, I, I believe, you know, the options of some of these systems. Like you look at the low-end 27-inch 5K. I don't, that's not a low-end computer, but that's the, the lowest-end 27-inch that Apple offers today. They only offer you options up to 32 gigs. That machine can go, again, all the way up to 128. There's no reason why they couldn't have offered up to 64, but they're kind of nudging up to you know, that next level. You know, Apple has you know, different reasons for doing different things. You know, our job out there is to give people, you know, a wider array of options at a, at, a, at a better cost and, you know, make sure that they have have those options so they can take that system you know, further and keep it relevant for you know, longer than what Apple's able to support. It's, it's a lot of work to qualify, you know, out there for the higher levels and actually to explain why somebody needs, you know, 128 over 64 as well. You know, it's much more practical for Apple. And quite frankly, Apple's done some really cool things. Their software team is awesome. And by the way, we're, you know, software, media, uh, the software aid side, software aid was the name of the company, and media four for our Mac uh, drive. You know, we're heavily vested in software as well. Software is, the hardware is easy. The software is what, you know, that's the, uh, how to say, the oil in, in, in the system. That's what differentiates our products from everybody else. The, the hardware is the easy part. But going back to, uh, to Apple and memory, 
know, Apple has done some nice things over the years. As, as chipsets, even with the iMac Pro, they didn't make it so that it had to be a 2019 purchase new machine to take 256. That's in the EFI update. The OS is now supporting it. Any any iMac Pro from day one can support it. I mean, we're still ship. We're still seeing this. It's the same iMac Pro today that they introduced. You know, at the end of 2017, it's not a new model today. It's just that now they've opened the door in the OS and updated the firmware, so you can take advantage of 256 gigs. They've done that. You know, we've seen years after. Like 2010s used to only be eight gigs. Actually, 2008s used to be limited to six gigs. You know, that was quietly extended to eight gigs. Apple doesn't officially support it, but they've opened the door. The chipset support it, the system supports it. They're not going to go out there and warranting it, warranty it, and and go out there and uh, do all sorts of testing and, and certification. But the good news is, you know, we do that testing, and even before we do that testing, those chipsets are used on an, on the Intel platform, Mac and PC. It's really up to the OS to interface that chipset. It's the addressing. We know what we're doing. There's a lot of when the memory is programmed right, it's 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 pretty straight up for us. I mean, I, I say it's easy. I oversimplify a lot of the stuff because we're really, you know, this is what we do every day. You know, we're we're there to to take these systems to the max, and we know how to do it safely, reliably, and well, you've been doing it for right. thirty plus years, <laughs> so Indeed. so that that makes a lot of sense. It's yeah, very boring. You guys know I just how to say do boring, it. but it seems very common sense and basic. But you know, and I, sometimes I start talking about, it, but the reality is, it's it's more complex than I make it. But at the same time, it's you know, this is what we do. I mean, it's you know, there's lots of things. You guys breathe this day in. It would be hard for me, hard for you know, our team, but this is our specialty. Yeah. So I want to do one one last question before we get the lightning round. So. What's next for OWC? Obviously, in, in the in, let's just let's just group it into two things: the immediate future, let's say thirty years from now, another thirty years. What do you got? What what you know? What do you have cooking? Any new products? New uh, new innovations? What are you thinking about? You know, you know I mentioned software. You know, right now, we have you know, a cross We have the only cross-platform RAID uh, software RAID solution that lets you take a, a Mac volume you know, between a Mac and a PC seamlessly in RAID. Which is actually pretty huge, but you know, as we move forward with these, with our software platform, you know, taking advantage, and we're getting there with 5G and you know, much better broadband and you know, wireless capabilities. You know, I always will be a huge advocate of owning your storage, owning your data, having it local. But you know, our huge part of our future is you know, cloud-based in terms of enabling you know, better accessibility and better, you know, call it backup, you know, remote access, and that's that's even oversimplification, but. We call it auto redundancies, even replications that are occurring without you having to think about it. Taking advantage of the bandwidth that's coming online, so that you have seamless access to your data, seamless you know sharing, seamless editing, you know wherever you go without having to haul the uh, you know necessarily haul your Thunder Bay 72 terabyte drive, you know every place you go. So it's taking advantage of the cloud to take that storage, you know maintain the local direct, you know whether it's a network attached solution or it's a uh, I say direct attached to the Mac, which then beyond a network, but taking that to another level to, to take advantage of the cloud to give you better, a little more interoperability uh, you know, with your data and, and how it's backed up and how it's stored and how it's accessed around the world. So that that's a big thing, but but also using that uh, an improvement in how we how we in, interact with your uh, your desktop storage to really promote and keep people you know owning their data. I think there's a huge risk that you know we're looking to. A huge issue, quite frankly, that people don't necessarily realize the, the impact of by an overdependence on the cloud for for data that's priceless and irreplaceable. And we want to give people the best of all worlds you know, with respect to that. And we've got a software team you know that's certainly able to deliver that. 
and that's today and that's well into the future. We've also, as far as 30 years from now, I mean, a lot of the stuff's going to be embedded and we may very well be the behind the scenes company with some of these technologies that, you know, when you, well, I hope you have to know who we are, but nonetheless, you may not even know who we are, but, you know, we'll be doing things that you know, continue to make data flow, data flow and you know, systems flow and, and ways to give the user the best experience. Nice. So let's, let's jump to the lightning round, uh, which of course is supported by Wix. Wix, you can create a professional website today at wix.com. That's W-I-X.com. All right, Larry, when you're ready, let me know and we'll get started. Let's do it. All right. What was the first PC you ever had? Hey, uh, the first that was my own was an Atari 400 XL. Had a cassette uh, deck as a, every, as a data storage device. Nice. Do you have any secret talents? Secret talent. Not that I, uh, not that I necessarily know. Not of. that you know of either. Okay. Not <laughs> that I, not that I don't know that I've shared or displayed. So. Cool. All right. We'll we'll we'll, we'll go on. Current number of unanswered emails in your inbox. Uh, unfortunately, yeah, that would amount to you know some thousands. <laughs> yeah. Well, other people who we've had on have actually said I just actually. Like just before the episode, had just deleted like hundreds of them, so they were like close to zero. Other people are really good at it. Other people have said thousands, so you're not alone. <laughs> What's uh... I respond as much as they can, but nonetheless, some of the stuff. You know, you... Anyway, it's <laughs> no. What's the metric you keep the, a close eye on for your business? Customer engagement. I mean, that's that's huge. Customer engagement, customer satisfaction. I mean, we're here for our customers. We are here because of our customers, and and that's yeah. That's first and foremost. I like that. If you could choose to be one age forever, what what, what age would you choose? Hmm. That's uh, there must be some other parameters to that. If I get to know <laughs> everything I know right now. Yeah, you. It, uh, all things can be equal. If you could just be one age forever, what would you be? Well, I'd probably say uh, I, I'd probably put it right around thirty-two. Uh, thirty-two. Okay. I could. I. I guess that, that sounds good. Sounds like a good age. <laughs> yeah, you, yeah, everything is, you're pretty well, I mean, they, you know, the, the function, it's, things have stopped changing for the most part. I mean, it, the wiring is set, but the, you know, the body is, I, I think that's, I like that age. We'll go, we'll go with 32. Larry, it's been, it's been great having you on. I could, I feel like I could talk to you all day about technology. It was, it was been a lot of fun. And obviously we, there was a whole bunch of other topics we didn't get to get, get, get to, um, but maybe we'll ha- we'll have to have you back on at some point to talk more about green energy and other things like other improvements and additions to OWC. Um, but really, again, thanks for being here. And if anyone wants to get in touch with you, what's the best place for them to do that? Hey, just visit. Uh, you can go to maxsales.com. You can go to owc.com. You, know, you can uh, just check us down. Check us out online, and uh, yeah, we'll we're there for you. Awesome. All right. Well, thanks, Larry. Uh, I look forward to keeping in touch, and uh, we'll talk soon. All right. Thanks for having me, Jeff. Really, really appreciate it. A lot of fun. I look forward to continuing the conversation. Thanks for listening to Techie Bites. Stay tuned for more episodes every Tuesday with awesome interviews and conversations about technology and business. If you like what we're doing, please consider supporting the podcast at anchor.fm slash besttechie and or by leaving a rating interview on iTunes. Both ways help us greatly and are much appreciated. So thank you. Until next time, we'll see you. And remember, remember, take care of your computers.